What would you do to get water? It's a question I had to answer last summer. The area I live in, northern Virginia, was going through a time of extreme drought. Where I live, my house is connected to water through a well, and the well ran dry. The well guys came out to my house to diagnose the situation, and there was a solution to my water problem. We had another well on the property with wonderful water just waiting to be accessed, but it had been about 25, 30 years since that well had worked, so there was going to be a lot of work and a lot of money that would be needed to access the well that was just sitting there. And I thought about this, and I realized how much work and how much money it would take, and I'll admit, maybe I wasn't thinking exactly rationally, but I thought, is there some other way where I could get water? The Potomac River is only about four miles away. Maybe I could just walk down there and bring it up in buckets when I needed it. Or maybe we could just wait till it rained, and then I could walk outside with a bar of soap, and, well, we could walk to the backwoods if we needed to do what we needed to do. But then I realized, no, the Potomac River is not a reliable drinking source. There's a lot of ticks in the backwoods. I wouldn't want to wander out there at 2 a.m. And if I start running around outside in the rain, in the buff with a bar of soap, my neighbor might call the police. So I realized, in the end, there was no other way. I had to have these guys come out. In the end, I needed water. And no matter what it took, I needed that water to come to my house when I needed it. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther lived at a time of spiritual drought. The people of Martin Luther's time asked the same big questions that people of our time ask. Who is God? What is he like? How does he feel about me? How can I get close to him? But the problem was the church at Martin Luther's time didn't give very good answers to those questions. The church at Martin Luther's time answered those questions something like this. God has forgiveness that he can give to people. However, he doesn't want to give that necessarily directly to you. Instead, God takes that forgiveness and he pours it into the head of the church, a man named the Pope. I like to call this my papal pitcher. The Pope is in charge, really, of distributing that forgiveness to all people throughout the world, but that's a big job, so the Pope delegates. The Pope takes some, and he pours it into people like cardinals, bishops, Archbishops. And then they pour a little bit more into people called priests. And then if you want some of that water to come to your heart personally, well, go to your local priest. Ask very nicely. Do whatever your priest tells you to do, and maybe, just maybe, you can have a little of that water for your own heart. 
Martin Luther grew up in this system, this machine of trying to access the water of God's love and forgiveness. And he tried to do it. In fact, Martin Luther became a priest himself. But the more he tried, the more he realized this was not a reliable system. He was not being connected to God. He felt distant from God. He thought there had to be another way. Well, some others said there was another way. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pope. What God does is he just kind of spreads the water of his love, his power, his spirit here and there. And maybe if you pray really hard and feel really spiritual and maybe ask him really nicely, you can somehow feel him. And then a little bit of that love and that power will come and you can kind of catch it in your own heart. But Martin Luther realized that's not a good system either. You could never be certain if you were really being connected to God. There had to be another way. Martin Luther needed water. Martin Luther went to work. As a priest, and then later as a professor, Martin Luther began to read the Bible. And as he did so, he discovered some amazing truths. He found a passage like this from Ephesians chapter 2 that said, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Martin Luther began to see what was in the heart of God. It was good news that through Jesus Christ alone, our sins were forgiven and we were brought into his family. That good news was called the gospel. And it was like the water of life that he needed, that his heart needed, and he realized every heart needed to live. And then Martin Luther kept looking through the Bible and he discovered this. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That gospel comes with a power, with the Holy Spirit working in it. Create faith in the heart that it touches. Ah, but how does that gospel get to my heart personally? Martin Luther kept digging and saw this. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Luther realized that the gospel which creates faith comes in only one way, through the message. The word of God. And where that word of God is present in two very special ways, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Martin Luther realized the way God works is like this. Through the water of the gospel, in the word, and in the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, God takes his love and mercy and grace and pours that gospel directly into our hearts. Luther realized he could know who God was. He could know what God did for him. He could have faith in God. His heart could be alive. Because through the gospel and the word, faith comes. And he was excited. And Martin Luther had an idea. He wanted to make sure that every heart, every home, was connected to this powerful source of the gospel, the water of God. So he went to work. His idea? Translate the Bible into a language that the people of his time could understand. See, the problem was that Martin Luther's time, the main translation of the Bible was in Latin. 
It was done by a man named Jerome about a thousand years before Luther. There were many errors even in the copies of his translation. Luther said we have to do better. We have to put it into the language of the people, but that wasn't so easy. Where Luther lived, where we think of as Germany, was not united as a country until the end of the 1800s. There were a lot of different little places that had different dialects going on and so that people had a hard time understanding one another. Luther had to unify a lot of the German language and put it down in writing. It was going to be a lot of work. Luther might die for this. Was it worth it? He said, yeah. Because that's the way that people would be connected to God's heart again. Luther went to work at this place. The Wartburg Castle. Luther was there because he dared to defy the emperor and the pope and was in hiding. And when Luther was there, he grew a beard. He snuck out, took out an alias, and would walk around and listen to how the people spoke the German language. Why? Because he wanted to use words in a translation that would be clear so that the water of the gospel would flow clearly, directly to the hearts so that they might know who their God is and who they are. In this room, he went to work and labored and began the translation of the New Testament. In 11 weeks, the New Testament was completed. The Old Testament took a little bit longer. He needed some help from some friends. It took about 12 years. But finally, he had a complete translation of the Bible in a language that the people could understand. And now the Reformation would continue, even if Martin Luther didn't. Because if Martin Luther died, the pipeline would still go on. People could read about who God was and who they were in God in a language that they could understand. And the water of the gospel would flow to hearts and homes throughout the land. The legacy of what Martin Luther did continues to this day. As of September 2016, the full Bible has been translated into 636 languages, the New Testament alone into 1,442 languages, and Bible portions or stories into 1,145 other languages. At least some portion of the Bible has been translated into 3,223 languages, more than any other document in the history of the world. But it hasn't always been easy. When a man named William Tyndale translated the Bible into English shortly after Luther, he was strangled and burned at the stake. To this day, men and women, boys and girls throughout the world, are willing to risk their lives to read the Bible in a language that they can understand. The map highlights different places where persecution takes place throughout the world where people might be in danger of losing property or even life to read the Bible in a language that they can understand. But they're still willing to do it. They're willing to die for it. Why? Because this is the only way and the true way that God comes to connect our hearts to his. And because of this, children of all languages and all peoples can sing this beautiful hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Better ring than Jesus loves me, this I think, for the Pope tells me so. That doesn't have the same ring to it. Or Jesus loves me, this I think, for I feel spiritual and try to do good things. No, no, no. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. Tells me so. 
Because of that, Jesus could say these words to a woman at a well who was looking for water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is God's water for you. It's worth dying for, but it will give you life forever. Drink up. Thank you.